We're talking about the child who changed the world forever. And of course, that is Jesus Christ who was born on Christmas 2,000 years ago. Now, why, why do we celebrate Christmas about a baby that was born 2,000 years ago? I mean, there have been billions of babies born. Why, why this baby? Well, we remember the birth of this particular baby because the baby born was not just another human baby. The Bible explains to us that the baby that was born was God in human flesh. And this baby that was born on that first Christmas grew up to be the man, Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, we don't know very much at all about the first 30 years of Jesus' life. He had public ministry for three years. And in those three years, he changed the world. He did things and said things that changed everything in our world forever. And so in this message series, we're going to be looking, or we are, have looked and we will be looking today at some of the things, some of the teachings of Jesus in which he claimed to be God himself. And as God, Jesus meets the deepest needs of our hearts. As God, Jesus meets us where we're at. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. My message today is entitled, Jesus, Our Direction. And in this series, we're looking at Jesus' sayings in the book of John, the Gospel of John. If you're not regularly reading your Bible, uh, Christmas is a good time to start. And I would encourage you to begin reading in the Gospel of John. Uh, it's, a, it's one of the easiest books to understand. It's going to tell you about Jesus, the things he said, the things he claimed, the things he did. And we have uh, some New Testaments over there on the table underneath the big wreath on the wall. Uh, some people say, well, I can't understand the Bible. Well, sometimes that's just because you're reading an old translation. And we don't talk that way anymore. There are different translations of the Bible, and that is a very easy one to read. It's called the New Living Translation. And so if you're having trouble keeping on track with your Bible reading, I'd encourage you to pick one of those up and uh, begin reading it. I'd like us to look at some introductory verses in John. In your bulletin, there's a white page. I'd encourage you to take that out. It has the scriptures written out and the outline, as well as on the back some study questions that you can do on your own. The first verse we're going to look at is John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It's talking about Jesus. And it says, In him, that is in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And so here in the very opening verses of the Gospel of John, we're introduced to the concept of Jesus as light that shines in a dark world. The dark world does not understand the light of Jesus. They see it, but they don't understand it. The light of Jesus reveals truth to the world. The light of Jesus reveals who he is to the world. The light of Jesus reveals God the Father to the world. And so the world, and when we speak of the world, it's all the people around us who are not yet believers in Jesus Christ. The world remains in darkness until they understand, until they accept the light of Christ into their lives. Let's see what Jesus said about himself in the very first verse in our passage today. This is the second in a 
a series of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. You might want to underline those words. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so here Jesus makes an explicit claim not to be a light in the world, but to be the light of the world. The one and only light, a unique light. He calls on everyone to follow him. The light of the world in order to escape the darkness. And those who follow the light of the world, those who follow Jesus, will have the light of eternal life. And so Jesus, the light, gives us direction in life. We must follow the light. Jesus, the light of the world, he illuminates the darkness. And while we know there's darkness all around us, we need also to question whether there is any darkness in our own lives. Areas of darkness in our lives are areas that lack Direction. We don't know where we're supposed to go and God wants to give us direction. He wants to illuminate areas of darkness in our lives. Areas of darkness in our lives may be areas that we have not yet turned over to God. That we have not let the light of Jesus shine into. Dark closets in our lives. And God wants us to open up those areas to Him today and let His light shine into every area of your life. Let his light drive away any shadows. Now when Jesus made this claim, I am the light of the world, the Pharisees, which were the religious teachers of the day, they began to challenge him. They began to question him. They raised objections to his claim to be the light of the world. And today we're going to look at some of these objections and see how Jesus answered his critics. And I believe that Jesus' answers are going to help us to better understand who he is as the light of the world, and how we can let his light shine more brightly into our lives and actually through our lives to others around us. The first objection the Pharisees raised is, why should I believe in Jesus? Verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him, Jesus that is, here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. And so basically they are objecting, they're saying, why should we believe in anything that Jesus says, why is he a light in the world, let alone the light of the world? That sounds pretty exclusive to the Pharisees. That sounds pretty intolerant. I am the light. What about all the other lights? And so we hear this objection that the Pharisees are voicing, even in our own culture's reaction to Jesus, don't we? When Jesus makes a claim to be the only way to God, that's considered intolerant. That's considered exclusive. So how did Jesus answer this objection? Well, Jesus said that he came from heaven. Jesus answered in verse 14. He said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from. And where I'm going. And so in order to understand Jesus' authority, in order to understand how he can make the claims that he did, we need to look at where Jesus came from and where he went. Jesus was not an ordinary human being. And if you consider Jesus just a simple ordinary human being, you're going to be misled. He was not an ordinary human being. His mother was Mary, but his 
father was not Joseph. Jesus was the very son of God, a son of the heavenly father. He came from heaven and he came to this earth. He came from heaven, a place where no other person had ever come from. He was God came to, uh, coming to this earth in human flesh. And after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, 40 days later, he ascended back to where? To heaven. He went to where he came from, unlike anyone else. And so Jesus' origin from heaven and his eventual destination gave validity to his claims. He was not just another human being. He was not just another good teacher. God the Father himself validated Jesus. Jesus says in verse 18, I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And so not only should we believe what Jesus said based on his own words, we should believe what Jesus said based on the witness of God the Father. Now, how has God the Father validated Jesus and his words? Now, that's a, that's a huge topic. We could preach message series after message series on that. We're just going to scratch the surface today. But the first way that the Father has validated Jesus and his words is through Old Testament prophecies. Old Testament prophecies, the word of God written down in the Old Testament hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus was born, were fulfilled in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many of these fulfilled prophecies are documented in the New Testament. It says this was uh, done or this was said to fulfill what was written. And then you see the Old Testament prophecy. The fulfillment of just a fraction of those prophecies in the life of one person is against all odds. Scholars find that there are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. And so the Father validate who Jesus was through these Old Testament prophecies. The second way the Father validated Jesus' testimony is through the many miracles that Jesus performed and were witnessed by different people. If you read through the Gospels, you see miracle after miracle after miracle, not done in secret, but witnessed by crowds of people, witnessed by the apostles and recorded down in the pages of Scripture. And Jesus says, Believe me, because of the miracles that I do, they validated that he was not just another person. The third way that the Father validated Jesus' words is that everything that Jesus spoke was completely consistent with the Old Testament Scriptures. He was in line with the Old Testament Scriptures, never contradicting, always fulfilling, and expanding on the Old Testament. And so God the Father bore witness to and validated Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that the light of Jesus does, the first thing the light of Jesus illuminates is Jesus himself, who he really is. Not just a good teacher, not just another man, but God in the flesh. And so we're going to talk about this more in another point. But one of the most important questions in life is the question, who is Jesus? And most people's ideas of who Jesus is are wrong. They're inconsistent with the historical facts. Jesus could never be just a good teacher. If you asked the man on the street, who is Jesus? 
That's probably the most common answer you're going to get. He was a good teacher. But Jesus made too many claims to be God. He made too many claims to have supernatural powers, including the claim he made today. I am the light of the world. You know, if somebody made those kind of claims today, what would we do with them? Any ideas? Well, they would be uh, locked up. Uh, put in a psych ward, ward somewhere and kind of put away. If they claimed to be the light of the world, uh, they claimed uh, to be God in flesh, uh, they would not be considered a good teacher. And so Jesus was much more than a good teacher. And in order to have God's direction in our lives today, we need to let this light of Jesus shine into our lives and let his words show us who he really is. And for that to happen, we need to read God's word. We need to read the words of Jesus and let them transform our lives. I truly believe that no one can be successful in life in God's eyes without a profound and deep knowledge of the word of God. God has given us one book, one book that he wants us to master. Not just pastors, not just teachers, but every believer, you need to know one book backward and forward, God's Word. And so I'd encourage you this Christmas season to make a commitment to daily reading the Bible so that the light of God's, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of God's Word can shine into your life and illuminate it and bring you to success in life. The second objection the Pharisees had to Jesus, where did Jesus come from? They asked him, where is your father? Jesus is talking about his father, the father bearing Witness to him, uh, at this time, most likely, the one who seemed to be his earthly father, Joseph, was probably no longer around. And Where is your father? And we don't know who you're talking about. Now, we're not sure if this was a dig at Jesus or they were sincerely questioning. It was probably a little bit of both. But they were beginning to understand that Jesus was not talking about his earthly father. He was... He was talking about another father. And so they were challenging Jesus to, to show them, to tell them, where is this father? And here's how Jesus answered them. He said that he and his father were one. Verse 19, Jesus says, you do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Now again, this is an incredible claim, is it not? He says that if somebody knows him, they're also going to know God, the Heavenly Father. If somebody knows Jesus, who they could see with their physical eyes and touch with their physical hands, they're also going to know the invisible God who dwells in heaven. In other words, Jesus and his Father are one. They're one and the same. To know Jesus is to know the Father. Now that is quite a claim. The Jews of Jesus' day, they claimed to know God the Father, but they didn't know who Jesus was. And Jesus here says, well, you don't know God the Father at all. Because if you knew him, you would understand who I am. And if you understand and know me, you're going to know him. And so to know God the Father, you need to know Jesus, the light of the world. And the Pharisees at that point did not know him. Jesus goes on to say, you must believe that I am God in order to be saved. He says in verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. 
Now in this verse, in the New International Version, which we're using today, the words in square brackets are not in the original Greek text. That's what that means. And they just put those in to kind of make the sentence flow. But last Sunday, we talked about how God the Father told Moses what his name was. Do you remember what his name was? I am that I am, or I am. That was the name of God. And here Jesus claims again to be the I am. If you do not believe that I am, what he's saying, they could have put in the square brackets, God, the one I claim to be. If you do not believe that I am God, you will indeed die in your sins. To die in your sins means that you won't go to heaven. It means that you'll spend eternity in hell. And so, in answering this second objection, Jesus shows us his relationship with the Father. He and the Father are one. And the importance of believing that Jesus is God in order to be saved, in order to have your sins forgiven. And so here the light of Jesus illuminates the sin of the Pharisees. It was a sin of unbelief. They did not believe that Jesus was God. And so, as Jesus said, I told you, you would die in your sins. They did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And so the light of Jesus illuminates. It illuminates sin in our own lives. It illuminates sin in the world around us. Sin loves to hide in the darkness. But it's exposed by the light of Jesus Christ. And when the light of Jesus shines through a person's life or, or through a church, there's always a violent reaction from those who love the darkness. There's always a reaction. And when the light shines, a person can choose to do one of two things. They can choose to embrace the light. They can choose to follow the light. Or they can fight against the light and try to extinguish the light. And so we as believers must not cover up the light of Jesus in our own lives. We must let it shine. And recognize that there's going to be these reactions to those around us. We let it shine for those who will follow the light. For those who will allow God's spirit to convict them of their sin. And be drawn to the beauty and power of the light of the world. Who is Jesus Christ. Finally the third objection of the Pharisees is they say who is Jesus? Verse 25. Who are you they ask. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. And as I mentioned before, this is one of the most important questions in life. Who is Jesus? You want to find out where a person stands in their spiritual journey, where they stand in relationship with God, ask them that simple three-word question, who is Jesus? The answer to that question distinguishes true Christianity from all other religions. All other religions give a different answer. You know, many religions venerate Jesus as some kind of prophet. Many religions venerate Jesus as some kind of good teacher. But only Christianity tells us the truth about Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God in human flesh. The answer to the question, who is Jesus, distinguishes true biblical churches from false churches that claim to be Christian and are not. There are many churches that claim to be Christian that do not answer this question correctly. Who is Jesus? Despite Jesus' many claims to be God, the Jews still didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't understand because they didn't want to understand. 
And so Jesus explains that his death is going to reveal his deity. Verse 28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. And that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. And so this phrase Jesus uses, when I have been lifted up, when the Son of Man has been lifted up, he's speaking of his crucifixion in which he was lifted up and crucified on a cross. And then he was taken down, buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He said that when the Son of Man is lifted up, then you will know that I am. Again, claiming to be God, using the very name of God. Again, the words in the bracket are not in the original Greek text. Showing that he is God in human form. I don't know how many people I've heard say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. He claims to be God all the way through the Gospels, if we just have eyes to see, if we have ears to hear. And as God, Jesus' words are spoken at the Father's promptings. And so Jesus always pleased the Father. He said in verse 21, 29, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. The Father was with Jesus through the, Holy, with, uh, through the Holy Spirit throughout his ministry. Now take that last phrase, I always do what pleases him. What kind of claim was that? It was a claim to be without sin. It was a claim to have lived a perfect life. I always do what pleases my Father. Jesus lived his earthly life without sin. Many people tried to find a sin. The Pharisees, the people who were resisting his teaching, looked high and low but could not find a single sin to pin on Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He always pleased the Father. And so we must put our faith in Jesus. It says in verse 30, Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Many people made a decision as Jesus spoke to believe him, to believe his words. They chose to follow the light of the world. Jesus said, if you follow me, if you follow the light, then you will have eternal life. To put your faith in Jesus is to believe the things he said. To make a choice of your will to believe and to obey everything that he commands. To put your faith in Jesus, it begins with a decision and it continues throughout your life. It's entering into a state of belief. It's not like a one-time thing and then you live however you want to. You begin to believe and you keep on believing. That's what becoming a Christian is all about. The definition of a believer is someone who believes. A pretty simple, isn't it? Not somebody who's believed in the past and now they're not sure. It's somebody who believes. A believer is somebody who believes and continues to believe until God takes them home. To be a follower of Jesus is to have his light shining through your life. We don't have time to get in it, but into it, but as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are like little lights in the world, uh, following the light of the world. 
we point others to Jesus. You know, one of our summer vacations a few years ago, uh, we went to a Missouri cave with the family, and I didn't ask, Carol probably remembers which cave, I don't remember which one. It wasn't a commercialized cave like Merrimack Caverns. If you've been there, it's got all kinds of lights and I don't know, I think there's McDonald's in there and all kinds of stuff, you know, it's just all kinds of stuff. This was a little out-of-the-way cave, and uh, if I remember right, there was kind of an iron gate, you know, you had to, that had to be unlocked by the guide, and there was just a little group of us, it was a lesser-known cave, and we went through this iron gate, and the, the guide was before us with a lantern. There were no electric lights. And we trudged down this narrow, rocky path deeper and deeper into the bowels of this cave. And we came to uh, a large room, and up ahead it was kind of a dome. Uh, we could see the bats circling above and hanging up there. And after we'd gone into that cave and were in this large room for a while, the, the guide shut off his lantern. And the darkness was, was so deep and thick. It was like you could cut it with a knife. You could hold your hand this close in front of your face and you couldn't see your fingers. And all you could hear was the leathery wings of the bats swooping around and the kids were getting scared and, and finally uh, the guide kept the light off. We didn't dare move, you know, because there were rocks all around us. There were stalactites we might bump into or crevices we might fall into. But finally he turned the light back on and after that we prayed his batteries would hold till we got back out because we didn't have any flashlights either. We finally followed him out and we began to see the light of the entrance uh, to the cave. But I was thinking that our world is really like that cave. I mean there are no lights in our world. It's a very, very dark place. And you can just read the news to see how dark our world truly is. Our world is enveloped in a deep, deep darkness. And the only hope is Jesus, our guide. He's the only one that has a light that's going to lead us and give us direction in this dark, dark world. And so we need to put our faith in, in Him. And so the first question for you today as we come to the close of this message is have you put your faith in Jesus, the light of the world? Have you recognized Him as the light, the only way that's going to lead you in the darkness that's all around? If not, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute to do that. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have recognized Him as the light of the world, are you following His light each and every day? Or have you gotten off track a little bit? Are you letting His light shine through you to others? Because if you're following closely to the light of the world, if you're following close to Jesus, His light is going to shine through you ever brighter to those around you. One way to let your light shine through you, many different ways, is to invite others to Life Church where they're going to hear more about Jesus, the light of the world. Every Sunday, in particular this Christmas season, we're talking about Jesus Christ and His claims and who He is. If we have found the light of Christ, then we have a responsibility to
to point others to that light. To show this is the light. Come and follow me as I follow Jesus, the light of the world. And so let's pray that each one of us would do our part this Christmas season to point others to the light of Christ. To put your faith in Jesus Christ, the light of the world, you need to commit your life to Him, to following Him, to following His ways. To do that, you admit that you've sinned. You believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins and you commit your life to Him. So let's bow our heads right now. If you never prayed this prayer before, I'd encourage you to. If you want to recommit your life this morning, this would be a great time to do that as well. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've done wrong things. I admit that I've walked in darkness and haven't been following you as my light. Please forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross that I might be forgiven. I put my trust in you. I commit myself to following you as the light of the world, to obeying your words. I want to walk in your light. In Jesus' name, amen.